How's everybody doing? My name is Omar J. De Jesus, and I'm the host of Second Chance, Voices of the Unheard. My podcast talks about the second chance people receive after doing time in an institution, innocent or guilty, while changing a poisonous narrative of prisoners' perception. For the most part, people returning to society are outcasted. Everybody deserves a second chance. So my job is to give people an opportunity and a platform to tell their story. Everyone on this podcast will be bragging on themselves about all their accomplishments. Today I have a special guest. His name is Michael Pagan. Uh, I want to thank him on his uh, acceptance into Gallatin, uh, which is um, a, a big accomplishment. And I definitely know they're going to enjoy his mind because uh, this is one of the greatest thinkers I've met. Um, very quiet, um, but he, he's, he's, he's very powerful in, 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 in everything he does. So I'm going to let him introduce himself to you. Hey, what's going on? Um, I'm a painfully ordinary person. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I discovered a lot about myself while I was incarcerated. You know, I'm, it's been a long journey and, you know, I'm happy to be, you know, where I'm at and doing thing, the things that I'm doing. And I, I definitely know that uh, once you get yourself situated into what you are planning to do, that uh, you're going to do a lot of great things. Um, I already <laughs> said. Um, so let's let's start this off uh, um, by talking about your family history and um, how was it um, growing up for you as a young man. Um, so I have a small family. Uh, that consists of three women, uh, my mother and my two aunts. Um, they were they are from Puerto Rico. Um, they were brought here very young, um, basically babies, um, and they were brought. They was adopted by um, some people over here. Um, so that what my life, you know, consisted of just those three women. Um, you know, male figure. Um, I'm, I'm the firstborn, the first nephew, so um, I'm the oldest in my family, and so uh, my mother is the oldest, so um, I spent a lot of times with, with my other aunts, and they're basically, you know, my second and third mother. You know, they all had played a role in raising me, and um, so I had a pretty rough uh, childhood, you know, um, if, if you can imagine, you know, you have three women being brought over here into foster care. Um, you know, my mother had to do some things for survival. And, you know, what that looks like is just she had to... She wasn't with my father for long. I, I don't really know who he is. I don't know. I don't know much about him. But, you know, to kind of basically, you know, to survive, to take care of me, you know, she got into an abusive relationship with this, uh, you know, with this dude, um, which was the father of my sisters and my youngest brother. So uh, he was abusive, you know, uh, point blank. Uh, so early in my childhood, I, I learned, you know, about fear, what that is, you know. Um, 
I didn't, I, I wasn't comfortable in my own home. Um, so, you know, as you can imagine, growing up under that kind of pressure, it would make, you know, one quiet and, you know, I found protection in being invisible, you know, like if he didn't see me, if he didn't hear me, you know, he wouldn't bother me. So, and it seemed like that's the way he liked things. So, um, I learned a lot, I learned a lot, well, I didn't learn, you know, um, a lot about myself. Because I guess, you know, to be invisible, you have to hide, basically. And that hiding starts, you know, inside. You know, you start hiding from parts of yourself. And so um, that was that was my childhood, learning how to hide. You know, um, listening to you say that brings a lot of um, thoughts in, in my own childhood and, and how I seen uh, my dad be become abusive towards my mother. And I kind of felt the same way uh, that if I would just be more silent. I'll be more invincible because it's, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. So I would be less picked on. But honestly, that that turned me into a different kind of person because though I was silent and quiet and thought that I was out of sight and out of mind, it, 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 it enraged uh, this anger inside for a man that was my biological father because as a child, I all I knew is love, and that's what kids know is love. But when you see someone that you love attack someone that you love also, and it just it changes your whole perception. So I, I can relate on 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 your behalf. You yeah, know, um, that, it's it's rough. It's, yeah, and it, and I it's think not that, easy. That, I think that was was so you know um, damaging about the experience because I had no love for this man, and I didn't expect him to love me because I didn't know who like who is this dude, right? But what hurt me the most was somebody I love, my mother, didn't, you know, protect me. She didn't do nothing to keep me safe from this dude. And it's like, and it took me years of growing up and reflecting on that to, to really, you know, come to terms with that. She was probably just as scared as I was, yeah. you know, because just as he was beating, you know, on me, he was he was whooping her ass, That's you know, right. so it was right. So it was a, a terrifying, terrifying position you know to be in for both of us yeah you know and but I had to you know as I matured you know I you know recognized that you know she she wasn't the reason you know so she was just as much as a victim you know as I was definitely so so is it fair to say that some of the stuff that you witnessed as a child uh forced you into some of things that that put you into like a different mind state a, a different uh perception of life uh, and put you around certain people that you probably didn't want to be around. Absolutely, because it goes back to what what we're talking about. We're talking about being invisible. We're talking about learning how to hide. And basically, you know, what that, you know, as a child, that looks, what that looks like is just me uh, being quiet, me, you know, staying out of sight, you know, so he don't think about me, so he doesn't know I'm there. But as you grow up, your behavior changes. This is the same motive to hide, to run, to you know survive. You to be invisible, but as you age, it get, begins to look different. And for me, you know, as I as I grew older, what that looked like was just me, just you know, assimilating, you know, a bunch of bad habits, you know, because I felt like you know if I Thank mm-hmm. you.
if I didn't, you know, it's this concept called, you know, passive protection. And what that means is just like, you know, to, to, for an animal to make itself feel safe, it adopts the characteristics of the animals around it. So that's a way that I silence myself or the way I felt like I could be invisible is if, if I do things that people, the thing, if I did the things that people did, I was around, if I spoke like them, if I dressed like them, if I, you know, saw the world as they saw the world, then I would, you know, become invisible, invisible because they would, they won't see me. They'll see themselves in, you know, how I lived and the choices I made. And in that way, you know, I was safe, you know. And but again, you know, just just trying to, you know, hide, you know, in. The man, the prevailing mannerisms and way things were, you know, growing up. You know, um, I grew up in wine dance, um, Long Island. So um, it's not a, you know, a very, you know, a good place to grow up at. You know, it's not the worst, but it has its, you know, it has its failings. Um, the school wasn't, you know, dirt. You know, that's what it was. You know, and. Again, you know, just trying to me, just, you know, always figuring out ways to create a sense of safety, you know, which began with, you know, being quiet. You know, I was still quiet, you know, but even when a bunch of noise was coming out of my mouth, I was still quiet because, you know, I don't, you know, silence a part of myself, you know, so. You know, I, I just look back at, at that also and my, you know, we, I sit and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, um, and we have so much in common, honestly. Um, and, <laughs> it's and, crazy. And, and because me growing up, I seen that also. And, and I actually, it pushed me into the streets. It pushed me into the streets to deal with people that didn't even care for me. But at that time, I wasn't aware of that. And, you know, just to be accepted, I did exactly everything they did so I just can be like I can feel like I was a part of, of something and in all reality they didn't care for me they manip manipulated me into doing stuff that they won't do and then they'll look at me like I'm you know I'm 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 an issue in all reality that they they, they got their, their faults also they pushed me into doing stuff that I didn't want to do yeah in fact so I think like the question like you know that that, that brings out that our shared experiences bring out you know is like not not a shared experience but our common you know our common experiences what that brings out is like how do you cope with the feeling of being vulnerable that's right you know it's just like as a child I was vulnerable to abuse so me trying to kind of escape that. I went to this type of behavior yeah. going into the streets, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like, so now I, when I'm feeling vulnerable, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like, yo, what can I do to kind of, you know, escape this? So it's like, so early in life, we learn this pattern of running. Like we always running from something, you know, running to something, you know, always trying to escape something because right. at the heart of it, we just feel vulnerable. Did you like deal with any kind of self doubt or or anything that you dealt with? I know I speak, I, I hear you speak a lot about the uh, fear of unknown, um, and you know, in in a way that can be a gift and it also can be a curse. Um, the fear of unknown depends on what situation you're looking at. Um, but I, I'm I'm looking at it from from at this time it it was it was more of a, of a curse. Um, and, and later on in, in your journey, it, it becomes a gift 
because you know uh, of of the the, the transition and, and the, the growth of mind uh, that you've experienced later on in your life. Um, but at this time, like, what is it that that you dealt with that that that, that kept you stagnant and and, and 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 unable to like proceed into your life? Like, hell yeah, I mean, I think you know, self doubt summarizes you know a lot uh, about you know uh, where things go wrong for me, you know, and, you know, to speak about the unknown, like, for me, like, I wasn't a, you know, fundamentally, I wasn't a bad kid, you know, I always knew what was right, you know, even in high school, you know, I was in JROTC, about to go to the army, you know, because, like, my mother felt that was the way out for me, you know, so she, I was always a good kid, you know, but again, it's just like I'm trying, you know, throughout all, like, you know, first 15 years of my life, it's just I'm figuring out, you know, like, damn, like, I feel, I feel like, you know, a victim. I'm a victim. Something told, my early experiences convinced me that I'm always going to be the victim. So just like, how, how do I deal with that? How do I, you know, escape that? So it's just like, you know, for me, you know, going to prison was an unknown. So I say that to say, like, not me me not being a bad kid, you know, I don't know what prison was like. I don't know what going, I never knew what jail was like. You know, I was never in the streets hard, like everybody, like, you know, people I was around. Because again, my mother, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the oldest of five. So my mother, she was a single parent. So while she's at work, I'm home helping with the kids, cooking, cleaning. You know, making sure, you know, the house is, house is in order. So she relied on me a lot for that. So I couldn't be in the streets as heavy as, you know, some people are because I was tired to home. But once I grew older, I, I just, you know, like, you know, like, nah, like, I'm going out here. I'm a man now or whatever. But going to prison, that was like an unknown for me. Like, I don't remember, feel, I felt fear. As a child, you know, coming from home, going to school in the third grade, you know, um, bus pulling up to the driveway, you know, and I'm, I, I remember myself, you know, peeking to see ahead to see if his car is in the driveway because, and once I would see it, I remember my, my heart stopped beating like, damn, like this motherfucker is home, like damn, and it's just like. I remember you know, just dragging my feet in the door and just walking to the house and just like, just the pressure of just knowing he's there, you know, and going to prison felt worse than that. You know, I not knowing what to expect, you know, you hear stories in the bullpen and you're just like, like, damn, like what the hell did I do to myself? Yeah. And, and, and county jail isn't nothing to a state prison. So that's like, you know, county jail is like a bed and breakfast compared to a state prison because I, once, I, once I got, you know, I went to county prison and it was just like a county jail and I was like, all right, this ain't, this, this isn't, this isn't bad, you know, like I just keep to myself. But I learned a lot about myself there on how to survive prison there. But once I got to prison and I saw the way, you know, the, the inside, the, inside of prison was, I was like, oh, hell no. Like, what, the, what, what what did I do to myself? And I just remember being so scared. Like, you know, I, I ain't washed for like five days because in the, in, in, in the, um, in, in Sing Sing, you know, it was like the shower, it was the summertime, the showers is in the yard. Yeah, so just like, I'm not going out there and take no shower. Like, and yeah. because I was so scared. 
and alone by myself, not knowing how to navigate that. So just like that, that unknown for me, you know. Yeah, but, I was, I was, I'm not gonna lie. I broke down on my way to Clinton. Um, I broke down. I, I mean, I did. I mean, just to see the uh, that's castle, real. That's the castle, uh, and not knowing what the hell to expect. You know, you know, it, it was like it felt like a, a, a like an anvil just hit me on my head and just left pressure it was it, it was it was awkward but it was real because um emotionally i was scared i was scared i was scared but you know at, at the at, you know speaking about self-doubt you know a lot of that fear came from me just you know just doubting my ability to survive you know and and we talking about you know my early experiences you know like I know how to survive. I know how to, you know, figure out, all right, so how I'm gonna get through this. Just out of how I got through my, I was successful, you know, because eventually, you know, he, where this, where this kid at, you know, he gotta call me, check on me, make sure I'm good. So I learned how to get through that. And then early, as time progressed, I learned a bunch of survival skills. So just like, but still not knowing, not, not, I look, I know that now, like, damn, like, I, I, I figure something out, I figure out ways to navigate shit, and that's not entirely bad, you know, there's some good in that because it's about, you know, it's about survival, but, you know, growing up, it was just like, you know, plagued with this, this doubt, like, you know, um, that took the shape of me not being able to think for myself, not me not being able to make my own decisions. Stuff like that crippled me because it's just like, I'm always looking to the outside for for some kind of validation. Like, you know, I'm always looking to something and that kind of shaped, you know, the way I thought about myself and just like, you know, so. What landed you in prison, if you don't mind me asking? Now, I don't, I don't want you to implicate yourself. Just, you can just give a, a, a quick synopsis of what you were facing and how much time you were facing. So, um, Again, so I just think, you know, the, the, the what, what led me to prison could be summarized with, you know, again, just trying to fit in, um, you know, just, just wanting that acceptance, you know, because it was so important to me because it meant my safety, it meant my survival. And it's just like, you know, if I want to be okay, you know, I just got, I got, I got to let these people know that, yeah, I'm just like you, you know, even though at my heart, I know, like, you know, I'm nothing, you know, I'm not built like that, but, but, you know, I had to, I had to persuade people that, you know, that I was, you know, and, um, I wasn't very, obviously I wasn't very good at it, you know, um, so, because it created a lot of issues for me, yeah. uh, mainly, mainly going to prison, so in 2007, you know, um, I got arrested, you know, in Long Island um, for a bunch of shit I had no business doing. Uh, and I was facing, you know, 15 years. Wow. 15 years, you know, so a 21-year-old 20, kid. Uh, I that, that's what I was up against. I, I could imagine uh, how you how you felt at that moment when um, you was hearing 15 like that and, felt, and felt no, like and, a life sentence. And no, and no, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you know, I didn't feel the weight of 15 years until I got up top. Like when I was in the county, it was just like everybody in the county do no more than eight months. So eight months, they out of there. So it was like, you don't feel 
Yeah. You know, so it's just like so when when the judge told me fifteen years, like so I got I went back to the county, it was like, yeah, I just got just copped out, you know, took fifteen years and it ain't really, you know, hit me yet. It ain't really dawned on me what what I just did. I ain't I couldn't process it yet because I was still in the county. I was still around people I knew, I was still in Long Island. So there's a lot going on that made it hard for me to process what the what the hell actually just happened. But once I got on a bus, took that what Trip. felt like an eternity <laughs> of north. I was I was gradually going away from everything I known for the first twenty one years of my life from the people. Like it was there was this yeah. distance that was growing between me and home. So just like and I and I never I never went far from Long Island. So it was just like but once I got to downstate that shit, and then they put me in, you know, the process at downstairs, just like they cut your head, they give you clothes, they give you a number. The shower, too. Did that shower. The cold that shower, cold with, shower the, with the soap. <laughs> oh. When that, as a result of that process, I went to my cell and, and, and cried because it's like, it hit me like, damn, like, this is really happening. I'm about to be in this condition for the next 15 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And... It crushed me, you know, and people and people tried to tell me, you know, you still got light at the end of the tunnel. None of that shit made sense. Like, yeah. like I'm in, I'm at the beginning of a 15 year sentence. Like my life is over. I was broken. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way, man. I feel the same way on that behalf. <laughs> people wouldn't understand it because they're not in your shoes. But until you realize that you walk in them same shoes or eat similar, you'll then you'll realize that what I was saying and what I was feeling and what I was thinking uh, would validate, you know, everything. Because at the end of the day, you, it's easier to say than done. You wouldn't, wouldn't know. So what, what, what were your negative experiences in prison, during prison? Like, or if you even experienced anything negative? Um, some people don't. I, I, unfortunately, I was one of them that did. Uh, I was I was stubborn, and sometimes I am stubborn. Um, um, one of one of the thing one of the things I'm proud of, right, is just that I, um, the first thing I picked up on, you know, while in prison, you know, being a being you know uh, a thinker, being a reflective, or being just an introvert, I'm always in my head. So once I once I felt enough pain till I was drawn, you know, inside and I and I started, you know, my wheels started turning. You know, I discovered that, you know, the main reason why I was in this situation in the first place was because I put myself around a group of guys I had no business around. And what put me around those group of guys that had no business being around was I needed acceptance. And why and what made me feel like I needed acceptance was, you know, there was a lot of things that was going on inside of me. So once I started connecting those dots, I started cutting myself off from people. Mm. And once I started cutting myself off from people, you know, things started to get clearer and I started to recognize that I had shit all wrong from the beginning. I started unpacking like, and I started to come into terms with how, how afraid I was. And once I admitted that to myself, it was just like, you know, things be- became so obvious. So just like, all right, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm a, I like to read, I love books. That's gonna be my lane. I'm gonna hang out in the library. And that's what I did for the two years I was in the county. I was always in the library. 
So I like to read, I like to do that. So you know, while I'm here, let me get my GED. So that's what I did. Mm. Cause nobody was there. I was the first. I was the I was the only adult prisoner in the minor GED program. Wow. I got I, I got my GED at 21 with a bunch of minors at 16. So. And I worked hard for that. And I went down there every day. I was down there three times a day, four times a day, telling her, call me back down here to get this. And I failed the first time. I failed the first test. And I had to take it, retake it, and keep studying. So, but that drive, that focus, and that way it was born out of me just recognizing or just coming to terms where I, I made this mistake. Let me just go the opposite way. And let me just embrace, like, listen, you know, um, I'm afraid and I just need to figure out constructive ways to deal with that, you know, and I just gradually just went on my own and did my own thing, you know, and, but that's not always, you know, in prison, that's not always, you know, the, the most comfortable is route to go because some people may interpret that as you think you're better than me or yeah. you think you think you think you you come to jail you wasn't doing that in yeah. New York you wasn't yeah. re, you wasn't reading you wasn't reading uh Napoleon Hill in New York you wasn't worrying about GD in New York so now all of a sudden you want to yeah. come yeah. you know to prison and yeah. and do that so yeah is it I, I totally agree with that <laughs> I hear that all the time people people frown on on a person when they try to better themselves so they don't have to uh, make the same mistake again but they applaud the negativity if you gang banging and you cut somebody yeah. and, and it's sad but this is this is the reason why we gotta deep program ourselves and reprogram ourselves because the way we think is ass backwards if we realize the way we think plays a big role on influences that we do and people we see and meet and deal with, we, we, we wouldn't even deal with a lot of half the people that you come across. Yes. So, so just, so what, what's coming up, what the theme here that keep coming up is just, you know, this challenge of being vulnerable because mm. here I am, I'm in prison, I'm around these, these, these guys who are doing the opposite of what I want to do. So what's going to happen? You know, I, I know if I just, you know, go their way and embrace the prison culture and the prison prison way of doing things, you know, that's gonna lead me here. That's what led me there in the first place. So just like I need to go a different route and mm. going a different route is you make basically you you singling yourself out because you're doing a lot of things that people aren't doing. Nobody was, I was the only dude on a tier, on the table with my GED stuff out. People walking by me like, yo, we wanna, we wanna play cards, we wanna play space here. Go yeah. on yourself for that. Go on yourself, you wanna study and do that, da, da, da. you wasn't yeah. doing that in New York. So it was just like, my mind, like, how, how do I deal with that? You know, because if I, if I responded to that in a negative way, I'ma mess up my opportunity. That's right. You know, and I needed to get that GED before I left the county, because if I went upstate without that, that they would have put me in in school right away. And if I and it was just like from talking to people, it was just like I needed to go into a job that was high paying. That's right. And so I needed to do that from the beginning because I ain't have support. So just like if I knock that out in the county, as soon as I get up top, I could go in the mess hall and make twenty dollars every two weeks. Yeah. So just like, but if I get caught up in the life, this. This was going on here, you know. Dude, come and tell me, you know, disrespectfully, yo, get off the, you know, get off the table. We, we, we trying to play space here. If I respond to that, you know, 
in an aggressive way. I'm 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 fucking up my opportunities for myself. So just like right. so it I would describe experience like that to be negative, you know, because it always put me in the situation to where I have to compromise, you know, my pride and my ego and just, you know, put my head down and just go and, and just walk away because I, I started to see what, what was happening in my mind was I was just starting to be aware of the bigger picture here, you know, just like, you know, like, hold up, like, you know, something's happening here. I need to start paying attention to my life. and. When you're in an environment where people not paying attention to the bigger picture, people people fight over peanut butter and jelly, a juice. I, I, I saw people get rolled up, stomped out over a carton of apple juice, mm -hmm. you know, over Jerry Springer. People want to watch BET videos and somebody wanted to watch MTV videos and now they in the back going at it, going at it for each other. So just like... I didn't want to get caught up in that, and that meant, you know, me just making a lot of unpopular decisions, which, which resulted in people looking at me a certain way, like, oh, he weak, he soft, and and again, that intensified my sense of vulnerability. So just like, and I guess the challenge is like, how to how how I need to find constructive ways to deal with this because I can't get sucked into this because if I get sucked into this, then there ain't no end to this because I, one of my good friends during that time was somebody who went upstairs with a, went upstate with a one and a half to three oh, yeah. and ended up doing 16 years. That's right. So, um, I know someone like that also. So it was just, you know, and I, I could just say, you know, throughout my whole incarceration, there was just experiences like that, that, you know, just kept coming to challenge, you know, uh, my resolve to do what's right for me over doing what's right for, you know, what may be right according to, you know, prison ethics and that's not that 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 was never you know a pleasant you know uh, way of doing things so just the the change of thought beca became a journey towards the bigger picture for you because at one point you 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 hid yourself because you was experiencing something and also which created self-doubt but now you are at a place in your life where you are seeing that you have to become vulnerable in order to not get caught up in the in the, the culture the prison culture ethics um so now, now now i see i see where the mind state is changing to where now you realizing your potential but sometimes you have to Played a part in order to get what you get what you want and need out of the situation, and 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 you know what, man, I I, I commend you. I tilt my hat because you know what, someone else would have got sucked into it because their ego was on the line. So that placed you around a lot of good people because people seen your potential, you seen your self worth, and people want it, people gravitated towards you because of that. And so you surrounded yourself around a lot of good people um, and you minimized the threat from people that you didn't want to be bothered because they looked at it like, you know what, I don't want to be around that positive shit because in prison people don't like to be around positive shit. So what were your accomplishments during prison that you want to highlight? Um, because I, I, I'm, I mean, you, you're a great writer, um, a published poet and writer. Um, 
What, what did you win uh, first place at Gallatin? At Gallatin, I yeah, did. I uh, did. That's that's you know uh, I definitely uh, commend that um, because uh, this, trust me, his his poems uh, are very deep. Uh, I need to look into that. Um, he's a great poet, a great writer, a great thinker. Um, so he he has a lot a lot of accomplishments. So um, what what what, what were they? Um, um. I guess if we if, 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 if we talk about um, material accomplishments, you know, um, like I achieved my GED in accounting, you know, mm. um, I failed it twice, but I was on a mission to get that before I, I left and went upstate, and I got it. And this, I went, I went to, I went to county jail in two thousand in June two thousand and seven. Um, I got, I got sentenced. Or I, I got copped out June 2008. I failed it. I failed the GED test that summer, but retook it and got it December 2008. Mm. Um, and I went up north June 2009. So just just about you know a few months before I went up north, you know, um, I was able to get it, and I think that was a big accomplishment. That, that was a, that was, I think that was something. That was that was that accomplishment was important because it taught me two things that you know um, I had that I was capable of working through my failures and 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 and, and going somewhere from that and and the main failure in this situation is going to prison. So once I figured out I I could I could I could I could, I could overcome adversity. Now just like so now diversity of failing your first GED test. So, but now I have this big picture here of the adversity of being in prison, you know? So once I gained a little confidence, like I, I, I know what's right for me. And I know that if I commit to it, I could eventually, you know, um, produce some better outcomes. So that's why that was, in, that was important because from that moment, from that moment, things started to, you know, Elevate because I started to cut people off. I started to become more lonely, which I started to create more focus, mm. and I started to discover things that I was interested in. You know, I love books. I love photography. I love poetry. I love writing. Mm. I love doing collages. So I loved all the stuff that I was discovering. Like, hold up, I got all this, this, this stuff inside me that Damn. that was just that was just there, and that I was cut off from. And I think that was that one way that I can define my trauma is is that it cut me off from my potential and and as a result that I was just living just like this empty this, this soulless body that all oh, this body didn't have no spirit but once I kind of connected to it you know in prison through my pain I went inside and kind of did some work and I started you know noticing things so after that you know after I did that you know uh, I went upstate I got my mess hall job you know, and um, an accomplished, you know, I would describe this as an accomplishment. You know, I developed a, a good worth ethic. You know, I was one of the best workers in the mess hall. You know, um, uh, I did that for seven years. Um, after that, you know, they took me to Fishkill, um, went there, and I wanted to go to industry, work in industry. To become a welder, I went there and learned welding. I didn't know, I never know how to, I never knew how to weld. 
I went there two weeks. I went to the guy's booth and I just watched him well for two weeks. And I went back to my booth and started practicing, practicing, practicing. Watching him practicing, watching him practicing. And I became one of the top producing welders there. Mm. You know, in, in, in a matter of months. And I was there for two years. So I would, I would think of that as a, an accomplishment. Because again, like, what 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 I'm describing to you, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm sharing things with you that that reflect what I was seeing, what I was learning about myself. And, and as a result of learning that, as a result of seeing that, I was doing things, doing different things, going in different directions that, you know, and again, I was by myself, mm. you know? So, and I think, and I will, and so as a result of that, you know, I left Fishkill, went to Walk Hill, you know, and going to Walk Hill, things just went in a completely opposite direction. Like I was going in one direction. Like I, I wanted, I was, I was, I had plans to be a CD, CDL driver. I had plans to be a welder. I had plans to do some kind of construction. I go to Walk Hill and find myself, you know, I uh, came across the Five Ventures program, an mm. entrepreneurship program, and I got curious about what that was. And once I discovered what that was, I went, I went and did that program for about six, six to seven months. And once I did that, that kind of basically introduced me to a whole different set of possibilities, you know, of of leadership and you know, and doing things. And I never, I never thought of myself in, in that way. But I, I did that program, came up with a good business idea, and I graduated, you know, and that was an accomplishment. And then after that, you know, it didn't stop there. After that, you know, right after that, um, I got into NYU, Pete, um, Prison Education Program, PEP, you know, at Walk Hill. And, you know, hey, went into the five, wanted to start my own um, painting business. Boom, that was the plan. Went into pet, that disrupted everything once again because you go. I went there and I discovered, you know, my my talent for writing, my yeah. talent for poetry, and then that basically took me in a whole different yeah, direction. Right, so it was just right. like I'm just I'm way off in the deep end, you know, from where I was, you know, two years, three years prior. I was a welder, like no, you couldn't tell me like I'm going home and I'm going to do some welding, but now you know, two three years later, I'm talking about writing books and going out and you know doing poetry. And um, so here I am today, you know, um, and I think, you know, just in, I think one, you know, one way for me to describe, you know, my, the one accomplishment, you know, it's just, I, I went to prison to, you know, discover, and I discovered myself, you know, and nothing I, nothing I do now or ever will do wherever I was shining, you know, because, that right there, you know, that self-discovery, you know, of, you know, who I, who I could be, you know, just made a difference. Yeah, wow. So, we, we spoke on material accomplishments. Now, if you can come up with a word, just one word to describe your mental accomplishment, what would that word be? balance wow. you know I understood you know for me my personality you know my gifts in life my purpose in life you know 
involves balance. And um, my issues was, I was just, you know, my, my problems, my health problems, my mental health issues was, there was a, there was a massive imbalance in me. And um, healing that, you know, first, or working to heal that, because I don't feel whole today. Um, I feel I still have a lot to, to work on, to create more balance in my life. But, you know, discovering how important that was to me, to my purpose in life, to who I am on this earth, balance is important. You know, and 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 I, and I feel it's important because if I can't create balance and if I can't correct the imbalances in my life to bring more balance into my life, how can I correct the imbalances in the world and bring more balance into the world? So that's why it's so important to me. You know, that that one word, just you know, balance. Wow. What what are you grateful for after after your release from prison after doing 15 years? What are you grateful for? My second chance. I mean, amen. You you go to prison. That's that's like dying. That's mm. a, that's a form of death. You go there, you die, you you die to a bunch of things, you know, to to your family, you know, uh and being there and knowing how much people that are there are just basically buried alive there. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are just, they die in the prison, they never coming home. And, and just know that, you know, my death was temporary. And I have a check, I had, I had a second chance. And I knew that prison wasn't the best that I can do. It wasn't the result of my best effort. And I always, you know, promised to myself that once I had another opportunity at life, that I was gonna, you know, just work to fulfill my potential. And you are. And, you know, I, I have my second chance. And, I, and again, I don't think, and that, and gratitude for that will always trump gratitude for anything. Anything I do, like, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, mm-hmm. at the top of my list of things that I'm grateful for will always be that second chance. You know, because I know there's people around, they they want that. And they will, they will never get it. Definitely. You know, people that are there that, you know, they board after board, they get hit. Uh, and for 20 some years they 20 get hit. 30 something years, so, and knowing that, and knowing that I'm out here and I have my shot, I have a second chance at life, you know, and I don't wanna kinda take comfort in somebody else's miseries. You know, I don't, I don't wanna do that, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, you know, being aware of what somebody wants, I have it. And I need to be grateful for that. Always. Mm. What organizations are you uh, involved with still? And what are you doing to stay out of prison? 
I'm involved with um, the ones that are, you know, that are important to me. Well, all of them are important to me, but ones that I'm, uh, ones that I'm actively involved in is um, PEP, um, NYU's Prison Education Program. That's a program that supports, you know, um, higher learning for the incarcerated and formerly incarcerated. Um, I'm actively involved in this Toronto-based um, community called Flip the Script Stories. Mm. They work with um, the formerly incarcerated uh, by giving them a platform to share their story mm. and its message. Um, um, I represent, you know, Ignacio House. Uh, I've become, you know, uh, a leader in this community. And what what's happening here is important to me. Um, uh, I'm also involved with Network. Uh, Network is also a, a, a community that supports the incarcerated and formerly incarcerated. Um, I'm connected with Defy, Defy Ventures, an entrepreneurship program mm -hmm. that supports, you know, um, incarcerated and formerly incarcerated uh, people who want to come out and, you know, uh, venture out into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And what I think could help me, you know, um, stay out of prison, you know, is just, uh, just not being afraid, you know, to be myself. You know, again, I'm not, I know what's right for me. I know what's good for me, you know, and as long as I'm myself, and committed to, you know, my well-being and what's good for me as, you know, Michael, as a man, as a human being. As long as I'm, you know, committed to that, you know, I'm always going to do the right thing for myself. And, you know, and I think in the long run, in the long run, not being afraid of being myself, you know, being honest with myself, you That's know. That's right. That's right. I'm going to always make sure I'm in the best possible position. And I think, you know, in the long run, that's gonna, you know, help me, you know, elevate and stay out of prison. What accomplishments would you like to accomplish now that you received your second chance in life? I know you got a lot of things you talk about, and I know you're gonna get to. Uh, but what, what are some of them things that you, you would like to do if you had the opportunity to do them right to, now? To, to summarize in one title, um, I would be a creative director. Mm. Um, I plan to, as a creative director, I plan to uh, build a consultancy business mm -hmm. um, that basically is going to work with for-profit and non-profit, you know, businesses to help them develop their talent. I mean, not their talent, to help them develop their content and um, tell their story to, you know, their their audience, their uh, target markets. Um, and I also want to use that consultancy to create um, job opportunities for creators that are, mm -hmm. you know, um, in prison, that are coming home, that have this trapped talent, and they think that they can't come home and do what they are meant to do because it's just like if they have to survive, they gotta go work at McDonald's or they gotta go get a trade, they gotta do welding, they gotta get a CDL, they gotta do all these things, you know, 
mm-hmm. that takes them away from you know the what they're put on this earth for. And if I could create some opportunity, job opportunities for those creators that are coming out of prison that care about that want to do what they love as far as like photography, videography, um, fashion or whatever, you know, if I could create something that kind of, you know, put them, you know, in networks and job opportunities to help them excel at what they are meant to do, you know, that would be, you know, beautiful. So that's my, that's my plan. So we we almost to the end. Um, this this section is called market yourself. Um, what are you promoting or marketing uh, about yourself that you want the the world to hear? I believe I, I believe in the in the um, in, in the importance of you know storytelling. I believe that. Those who tell stories, you know, rule the world. Mm. Um, and as you can see in our in our world, you know, the people who are telling stories, they got the the dominant narrative that are basically, you know, putting a lot of us in boxes. Mm-hmm. And they're winning right now. And I want to promote um, flip the script stories, right? Uh, and that's a program that I am committed to bringing to, you know, New York. It's a Toronto-based community. Um, they don't have no, no presence in New York, and I would like to um, bring that here because what that would do is it would create a, a platform to help us get our, our stories out, to mm-hmm. kind of upset these uh, prevailing narratives about criminals and how we are, you know, um, internal, you know, bad guys that we we are beyond redemption, and you know, me knowing, you know, nothing could be farther from the truth because there are a lot of us in prison, um, and I think also it's important to kind of get these stories out because. If not so much for, you know, um, the sake of the form, the incarcerated, for them to tell their stories, for them to get their message out, for, for their own healing, for their own improvement, but also to do it to kind of disrupt the narratives that's in the public imagination imagination, you know, about, you know, us as men, us as, you know, brown, yellow, black, um, to give a platform to ideas that has the potency to really disrupt this, you know, um, to really, you know, amplify these voices, you know, because just like, you know, what's what's sad is just like a lot of our stories don't make it to the surface of human speech, you know, because of lack of education. We don't even know, we don't even have the language to to interpret our, our story, then to share it, articulate it with people. We don't even know where to begin to kind of understand, you know, what, what our story is. Like, you know, you ask somebody, what's your story? Like, tell me, like, what are you talking, like, so, 
Part of the process of giving somebody a platform to tell their story is educating them in language and helping them, giving them the tools to reflect on their past experience, to understand, you know, what they've been through and what that means, you know, in this war on these narratives that are putting us in boxes, that are putting us in these in these categories that, you know, most of us don't escape. Mm. You know, so um, that's what I want to promote. You know, okay, um, cool. this will flip the script. Cool. Okay, so we 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 at the end. Um, so you got a minute. What would you like to tell the children not to do if they were to go down the same lane you went, or even think about putting themselves in harm's way that they were laying themselves in prison? What would you tell the children? Because to me, that's, that's what, what is it about, too, you know, uh, you know, help changing the narrative, but also help changing the mindset of s- certain children's uh, thinking that would probably cause them to go down the same road we went. So what would you tell them if you had something to tell them? It's important for them to know that they don't have to forfeit who they really know themselves to be, you know, in in their heart of hearts, who they really don't have to forfeit that. You don't have to disconnect from that mm. to to win, you know, in this life. You know, because the moment that they do that, the moment they're giving power to all these different things, that's basically gonna mm. um, limit their choices in life mm. and put them in. You know, we already up against a lot. A lot of things that limit our choices. We don't need to, you know, expose our children or, you know, our children don't need to expose themselves to things that basically gonna cut them, you know, reduce that, you know, to to less choices, you know, so. Uh, yeah. Okay, wow, that, that was powerful. So we are at our end. Um, I want to say thank you for, um, for 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 coming on and, and expressing um, your views, your 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 life. You put a part of you on on, on this this talk today. Um, um, and, and, and you know I'm not gonna lie. Uh, um, I can relate in many ways with you. Um, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for accomplishing everything you did. So, I would like to say thanks to everyone who is listening to my podcast. Thanks to every organization that's helped me change my perspective and my brother's perspective in life. A quick shout out to Osborne, AVP, Pace, Defy, Network, NYU's Prison Education Program, Pet, Thrive for Life Prison Project. And remember, No one wants to do time, but we all need time.
Good night, peace, and blessings, and I'm out of here. Thank you. Thank you.